Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wonder Gold, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lebuff, and in just a moment, I'll be joined by my co-hosts, friends, colleagues, Anthony DeBundo out of Pennsylvania, BJ Cunningham, coming to you from Iowa, America's breadbasket. But before I bring those two gentlemen in, just a reminder, Wonder Gold is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 free. All right, let's talk Premier League 10 matches on the docket, then we'll jaunt around Europe, give out our favorite underdogs, and then our best bets in the Premier League this weekend. One place to start, Anfield. Uh, there. That'll be where Manchester City will be traveling to take on Liverpool in what should be a pretty big match in the title race but uh of course liverpool are sitting in 10th place right now two wins four draws two losses for jurgen klopp's reds they're plus 320 at bet 365 home underdogs city's odds on minus 134 the draw here is plus 320 anthony you're a liverpool fan it's really hard for you to bet against this team so i knew when i saw the rundown where your money was going right away i i don't have any money on this game in fact, I think I'm going to be staying away due to all the Liverpool injuries. I think Liverpool is a bit undervalued here. I think we don't know where the bottom is. I think this Liverpool team is in the middle of a pretty solid regression from the lofty heights of the last couple of years, and that's pretty clear. But even in my form-weighted numbers, I can't get Liverpool to be this big of an underdog at home. Most of Liverpool's problems have come on the road in the league and in Europe especially. You know, They are allowing over two expected goals on the road. They've been much better defensively at home, but... If City's going to press, 
and try to possess the ball and try to pen Liverpool in their own half. They're going to need passing to get out of that. And Trent Alexander-Arnold is their best passer and ball progressor, and he's now out for this match. Joel Matip looks like he's going to be out as well. So it's another center back down. Luis Diaz out into the World Cup now. If City has a weakness in this match, it's that Walker is out and that they can be exploited in transition, especially up that wing. Well, Diaz was the guy that I was hoping was going to be able to do that, and now he's not really going to be able to. So I'm ultimately staying away here. It's not just Walker. John Stones is out. Looks like uh, Calvin Phillips is out. So a lot of depth missing for City. I think they're a little vulnerable. Erling Holland did not play in the Copenhagen match. At first, I thought it was just basic rotation, but Guardiola was saying quite a bit that he just was struggling to recover from the weekend match. He was really feeling it physically. You wonder if he'll be at his full effectiveness. Expect him to start, of course, but will he be fully effective? It's a big difference. City's attack also running pretty hot. So Overall, I lean toward Liverpool here, but I think I'm staying away. Just too much uncertainty with these injuries. Yeah, I mean, it's it is jarring just to look at the the Liverpool numbers. Like I said, they're two four and two win draw loss with an eight a plus eight goal differential, but nine of those goals came against Bournemouth in that nine no win. Uh, so if that score didn't didn't get that out of hand, you know that that goal differential looks even uh, less intimidating. Of course, they are coming off a seven one win against Rangers in the Champions League, uh, but. We also saw them, you thought maybe Liverpool was rounding into form with a performance against Ajax and they follow it up with uh, the, the kind of lackluster games against Brighton and then the loss against Arsenal, which BJ, uh, Anthony and I spent, I would say most of last podcast imploring you to take the easiest bet on the board, which is Arsenal mm-hmm. uh, against Liverpool. You're an Arsenal fan and you still didn't get there. So while Anthony and I were you know, laughing our way to the window, you were sitting there with uh, no money in your pocket. And you're going to try, try to go back to Liverpool here? Maybe. Um, it's It has to do with the market. I mean, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that this match, City, was going to be minus 125 on the road at Liverpool, I, I would have been stunned. Now, you know, obviously the injuries do have some effect. I, I think... Jota can give City some problems on the left wing. Um, you know, they you could say that Liverpool maybe, and obviously they pounded Rangers today. Maybe Salah got some confidence back. Maybe he can start to be more effective like he was last season. Who knows? But for me, I mean, Liverpool, it's it's really hard to play Liverpool here. I mean, they've their four biggest matches, I would say, in the season. They got run off the pitch against Napoli. United beat them on XG by creating two big scoring chances. Brighton gave them a ton of problems. And then Arsenal just dominated them, like you just said. And in those four matches, they allowed 10.2 expect, expected goals. And now they're supposed to stop Erling Holland without Matip. Uh, it's it's very, very hard for me to muster up the courage to play Liverpool. And like I just mentioned, those four matches offensively, they only created 4.7 expected goals. So the offense has struggled. Um, they are at home, though. You know, in these matches last season, the, the one at Anfield was pretty even on expected goals. You know, both matches in the Premier League obviously ended in a draw. City kind of dominated the box score in both of them. But, you know, from a market perspective, City was only plus 125 on the road at Liverpool. So now we're 50 points higher. Obviously, there's some injuries, but like Anthony already mentioned, there are some injuries in the back line for City that could could give Liverpool some space in behind and, and allow them to cause some problems. So 
as I sit here, I, it, it's very, it's kind of hard for me not to take Liverpool plus half a goal. You know, I'd add plus one Oh five, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to hope that people just say, Oh, Liverpool's all got all these guys out. City's just been running rampant through the premier league. They should pace them once again. If I can get Liverpool plus half a goal at a decent number, I think just, I think I have to play it. It's, it's, it's too hard of me not to, because this Liverpool team, yes, they've had problems, but they, they still are really good. Like they're not like, you know, a mid table club. Like they're still the, the, probably the third best team in the premier league. So yeah. So I ultimately passing, but if I can get a better number, I think I have to play Liverpool. Yeah. Where would Liverpool be without the elite finishing of Bobby Firmino? Right. You know, he used to True. get made fun of for his. Well, I mean, that's what we all said. That's what we yeah, all said coming into the season. That you all said that Firmino's going to be the key to this Liverpool attack. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm after saying all that and kind of ragging on you guys. It's it, it it would be Liverpool or nothing for me at this number. Um, it's hard. Like it's just yeah. hard to sit there and look at this and be like, how do I not take Liverpool? Like there's no way on earth anybody can lay minus one twenty five with City on the road in this situation. I mean, if you can, you know, God bless you, and you'll probably win. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so hard not to play Liverpool. Uh, all right, let's go to that's the Sunday eleven thirty a.m. kickoff. Uh, so let's move to Friday. Back a couple of days. Friday night lights are back. Three p.m. kickoff. Brentford, Brighton. Uh, Brentford at home. They're plus two hundred. Brighton on the road plus one thirty seven. The draw here is plus two forty. Brentford is a team that. Thomas Frank seems to preach a, a quality over quantity philosophy when it comes to attack 15th in shots per 90, but they're fifth in big scoring chances. But this Brighton defense is really good uh, at protecting the, you know, kind of home base there uh, fourth in preventing big scoring chances. It would be uh, Brentford for me. We talk about Brighton, how they struggle kind of to impose their will on games as, as a favorite, especially on the road. It would be Brentford, but the number's just just not good enough for me. So I'll be passing. Anthony, though, you have another play you like. The most interesting thing that's this happened on kind of a league-wide trend this year has been the overtrend. And I tweeted about this on Monday, just before the Forest and Villa match. Overs this year in the Prem, 52 and 34, 60% win rate, covering by an average goal margin of 0.59, 8% return on investment. So I look deeper into it. Almost every team in the league is overperforming their XG. We've had a lot of extra goals in this league this year, and a lot of it has come down to bad goalkeeping. And no, not just Danny Ward, but uh, it's really interesting. And Brentford is one of those teams. This season, you look at their numbers, they've conceded 17 goals off of about 11 expected. They've also run well in attack. They return home where I expect the defense to be better. I expect them to play better as a whole. I actually show a tiny bit of value on the Bs at home, but I also like the under more. These two teams played twice last year. First game, completely dead. It was a stoppage time winner. It was a 1-0 game, but there was only 0.8 XG created. Second meeting, 1.7. These two games were very low event. Neither had more than two goals. The thing is that when you get the two money ball clubs going against each other, they're good at nullifying what the other wants to do. Brentford's excellent on set pieces. Brighton doesn't give you set pieces and doesn't give good chances off of them. And I think it's a major reason why Brentford has really struggled to do anything in this fixture the last two years. The question that the thing that scares me a little bit is Deserby. He's not really a defensive possession type. He's much more aggressive with the ball, try to bait traps, pressing, get in behind, create big chances off of that. They're pretty aggressive. Will they be the same? There are signs that they will. Saw patterns against Liverpool and against, you know, they, they pressed Liverpool at Anfield, just bold. And then they, you know, had some uh, excellent moments where they baited Tottenham into a trap, got in behind because of it and probably should have scored. 
Uh, I, that's the only thing that scares me here, but I do like the under. Uh, BJ, real quick. Uh, I know you don't have a play here, but quick word on this matchup as is, is, is it is one of your favorites on the season. Yeah. This is like trying to choose if I had two children, I'd be like trying to choose what, who's my favorite child here. But I agree with Anthony. I, if I had to lean anywhere here, I'd play Brentford. I don't hate, I don't hate the under or maybe a both team to score. No, which is currently sitting at plus money. The problem I have with Brentford in this match is that they're doing a really poor job of progressing the ball up the field. Like they're 19th and progressive passes and dribbles. And that's something that you have to be able to do well to play against this Brighton team, which deserve he's, he's kind of similar to Potter. Like Anthony said, he's a little bit more aggressive, but again, he still loves to counter press and, and try to win the ball back when they lose it. So um, Brentford, you know, going back to the start of last season, they have not been good at playing through pressure and Frank, doesn't like to play a lot of long balls. He likes to, you know, get the passing structures ready, get triangles going and try to get the ball forward. Well, that's not what you really want to try to do against a good pressing team like Brighton. So for me, I am passing, might play a both team to score. No, but yeah, other than that, uh, can't choose between two of my favorite children. Now we get to talk about this one that leapt off the page. I mean, this one just absolutely leapt off the page at me. Leicester City plus 130 at home, hosting Crystal Palace plus 210. The draws plus 240. Anthony, thank you uh, for the job you did convincing me to bet Crystal Palace uh, last week. I'm back in. It was demoralizing watching them just underperform my bets. Like you, you made you made a good point that they were kind of performing to where the market expected. They're covering spreads, but I, you know, I bet money lines. So it was a little disappointing. However, I'm back. And the point was, how can you get disheartened when you look at the schedule they played city liverpool arsenal chelsea newcastle first five of what their first eight nine games so that's why you basically just throw out the numbers with palace you look at these two teams almost in a vacuum and you can use the lesser numbers and they're terrible they they don't defend well they're not creating scoring chances we've talked about it every episode about brendan rogers sean dyke apparently is in talks to become what the new manager but thank god (laughs) But back. will we see that happen? Who knows? I mean, it's just such a, an awkward situation. And you're getting Palace. They're plus 210 at Bet365. I know they're on the road and they, they don't perform well. But how can you look at this number and not be all over the Eagles here? This is where they're going to start trending up. The schedule lightens up. Lesser have been one of the worst teams in the Premier League. They followed up a 4-0 win against Nottingham Forest with a loss to Bournemouth. And the numbers don't show that that was an unfair result either. It's got to be the Eagles here. It's just got to be, BJ. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't really know why Crystal Palace is sitting in North 2-1. I think the reason why is because of their numbers this season, right? Like, they're not good. Like, if you look through Crystal Palace's numbers, like, they have the highest expected threat allowed. Like, they've, they're have they 18th in non-penalty expected goals allowed. Like, they're dead last in box entries allowed. Like, it comes down to the fact that maybe the market is saying like, Hey, Chris Palace has been really bad this season. But like you already mentioned, they've played an incredibly difficult schedule. They played Arsenal, Liverpool, city, Chelsea, and Newcastle. Well, the matches against they've played against Villa Leeds, and Brentford. They only allowed three and a half expected goals. And this is still the same back line that allowed under one non-penalty expected goal last season. So really what it comes down to is I think the market is saying like, Hey, crystal palace, they've been so bad this season. This is, you know, basically an all in spot for Leicester. They have to win. They're sitting in dead last place in the premier league, but this Leicester 
I mean, we've obviously highlighted how bad their defense has been. It's a lot of it has to do with Danny Ward. They've still also allowed 15 big scoring chances. They have some injuries now that, you know, Ndidi is, Ndidi is out, uh, Mendy is out. So they're basically going to be relying on Subare to be their only defensive midfielder because at this point, Tielemans and Dewsbury Hall do not do a ton of defensive work, which basically allows teams to just play right through them. And then you look at their offense they've been incredibly reliant on James Madison, just scoring wonder goals from outside the box They're, I mean, they're averaging under one non-penalty expected goal per match. They, you know, Madison's got five goals off of 1.2 expected and stylistically, this is, this is not a good matchup for them because we just saw them try to break down a low block. And what happens? They created 1.2 expected goals they didn't look very good offensively. They, what, what Lester really wants is for teams to press them high. Like they have good players like, like Tielemans, like Madison, who can play the ball through the pressure. Like they're third in offensive pass per defensive action. But Chris Palace is going to play a low block. Like they're playing one of the lowest defensive lines. Their field tilt is around 35%. So trying to get Lester to break down another low block when they just were very unsuccessful in doing against Bournemouth's defense. Well, how are they supposed to do that against Palace? So, yeah, I'm with you. I love Palace. I'm going to take them draw no bet at plus 135. Uh, and obviously, I don't hate a shot on the money line either. So, this is going to be a very fun 7.30 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Yeah, I can't imagine a, a better way to start the weekend. Is Sean Dyche going to be in the stands? That's an interesting I'm debating bet. if I want to mush you guys and also bet Palace because I never win 7.30 a.m. bets. But yeah, I, no, agree. I, it, this, I agree. This is entirely. one of those spots where where – a mush is, it doesn't even matter. It gets washed. It's just too good of a spot. Yeah. Yeah. This just screams draw to me. I'll probably take the quarter goal uh, before I take the money line here, but I obviously don't disagree with taking the money line. This game just screams draw to me. Uh, Lester will probably bang one from 20 yards as they always do whenever I bet against them. But I mean, yeah, Lester have conceded the second most open play expected goals in the league. Uh, so it's yeah. Danny Ward sucks, but like, it's not just him. And by the way, that the, whatever the hell he was doing on the second goal that Bournemouth scored, uh, I have no idea. He just like jumped and like did like one of those like freeze poses and like hoped it would work. And then the, the, the guy just ran past him and kicked it in. It was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, he's maybe he's just trying to play his way out, out of the whale side because he doesn't want to deal with the pressure of, of, of a nation on his shoulders in Qatar. Um Against our country. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about Fulham and Bournemouth. Now, this is a 10 a.m. kickoff on Saturday morning. Fulham, their odds on. Minus 120 at home. That tells you a lot about Bournemouth. Plus 320. The draw here is plus 275. The Cottagers, 20th in non-penalty expected goals allowed. 20th Regression is coming. <laughs> uh, man. But if there's any team you want to be the worst defensive team in the, in the Premier League against, it's Bournemouth. They're 20th in shots, box entries, big chances, expected goals. But you just can't trust. You can't trust. You can't trust this defense as a favorite, as a, especially odds on. I don't care if they're home and I don't care that it's Bournemouth. Like these are two sides that were both in the championship la- last year. It's not like there's that much of a gap between them. Like I'm taking Bournemouth. They're up there in, ter- in terms of like my ROI probably this season, Bournemouth. Well, dark um, magic going on there. Yeah, maybe so- there's something going on. Uh, caretaker manager bump. BJ, the caretaker manager bump. Uh, I'm on the money line. You two are looking at the total. Anthony, uh, let's start with you. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm staring at it. And I'm thinking about, you know, this league is running ridiculously hot for goals. And and Bournemouth and Fulham are two of the main teams and the main culprits of that. Uh, Bournemouth 
scored twice for off about 1.2 benefited from some bad goalkeeping, some bad defending, but this is still a really bad attacking team. They're the worst in the prem uh, and Fulham have overperformed as well. They're riding the hot streak that has continued from last season and their finishing numbers. They continue to be due to regress. They scored, uh, you know, two goals in the last two matches, but both were pretty fortunate. They, they put three past forest on like their first six shots. Uh, this team, like the regression is absolutely coming. The last four performances have been pretty troubling, but I I'm still have them better than Bournemouth and they're at home. Like I make the minus minus one ten. I have no value here on the, the side. Uh, and I lean to the under just out of principle, but I've, I've lost enough money on these, these relegation unders of just dumb goals going in. And I feel like this is one of those games where it may happen again. Well, if it continues to trend this way, we'll pick a weekend. We'll just bet every single under on the board. An under round robin. Oh, it's going to be it, it's going to be the week before the World Cup. Right, but I was going to say right before the World Cup when everyone's got their eyes somewhere else, maybe an under round robin as a group. BJ, what are your thoughts here? I am going to take the under. Like Anthony mentioned, regression is coming. I'll just continue to lose money until that regression hits. Bournemouth has played seven matches versus non-big six sides. They've created 4.1 expected goals and three big scoring chances. Fulham has played six matches against non-big six sides. They've created 6.6 expected goals and five big scoring chances. It's like you mentioned, Michael, with Bournemouth being dead last in pretty much every single offensive category. They're sitting in eighth place, though. It's pretty astonishing. And it's because their low block has actually been somewhat successful. Like they have a 28.35% field tilt. That is the lowest, not only in the Premier League, but in all of Europe. They are playing, like they are allowing teams to basically just sit inside their final third, but they've only allowed 6.4 expected goals in and just two big scoring chances in the seven matches versus non-big six sides. So I have a hard time seeing, you know, how Fulham is just going to, you know, run away with this, score two, three goals. And, you know, like you said, Michael, <laughs> as a favorite, win this match. They've, I mean, Fulham has been bad defensively. Like they've, they they just conceded over three expected goals to, to West Ham on Sunday. They are doing a pretty good job of, you know, preventing teams from getting the ball off the pitch. Like they are 12th in progressive passes and dribbles allowed. They have allowed, you know, the most non-penalty expected goals, but, you know, they're 15th in expected threat. So, I'm going to take the under because I only have 2.2 goals projected for this match. Fulham did hold Bournemouth to just two expected goals over the two meetings in the championship last year. So I'm going to bet on some of that aggression and take under two and a half goals and watch a bunch of bangers go in. I mean, the past three matches now that we'll be talking about have involved five. I mean, you could throw Palace in there right now because where they're sitting in the table, but I think we all expect them to get out. And of course, Bournemouth are in eighth, but they're firmly in the relegation battle. But five relegation scrappers, including this match between Wolves, who are also odds on. I mean, minus 143 Wolverhampton are <sighs> against Nottingham Forest, plus 425. The draw here is plus 275. We, we know the Wolves offense is due for some positive regression, and this Forest defense is so bad. But you just can't make Wolverhampton minus 143. Against another Premier League team with the way that they're going right now, I just don't. I just don't see it. Uh, I'm on force. I, I don't even want to talk about it because this. I mean, I'm going down the bet on Bournemouth, and then I'm going to back that up with a bet on Forest. They might lose by a combined six goals or something. I mean, that that would be a almost a win. BJ, I actually think that there are some encouraging signs for Nottingham Forest right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm I agree with you. I'm going to be on them. You know, plus half a goal, plus one twenty five. You know, maybe if we can get a plus one, we'll take that. I mean, Wolves, I don't really care that they've underperformed offensively. They're still averaging 0.89 non-penalty expected goals and created just six big scoring chances. And they are one of these teams that just cannot turn 
final third possession into a scoring chance. Like they have a 1.3 expected threat, which is 11th in the premier league, but you know, Raul Jimenez is still out. Pedro Neto is still out for this match. So their attacking options and the depth of their attack is, is starting to thin out. Nottingham forest has been very, very unfortunate defensively. They've allowed nine goals from outside the box. That's crazy. Like some teams don't even allow nine goals for the entire season from outside the Ian box. Anderson. And the thing, well, the thing is, Anthony, he's only got a minus three post shot XG plus minus. So these, these shots that are coming from outside the box are just absolute bangers put into the top corner of the net. And so it, they're just finishing at a crazy rate. I mean, the last four matches, Forrest has played Bournemouth, Fulham, Leicester, and Villa. I would say pretty much on par with Wolves offensively. They've only allowed 3.7 expected goals in their match, but their opponents have scored 11 goals. So this team is actually due for some positive regression. I mean, Wolves, they've taken 105 shots this season. 50 of them have come from outside the box. That's the most in the Premier League. So I like Forest here. I, Wolves, I think Wolves is, is definitely overvalued. I only have Wolves projected around even money. So I'm going to be on Forest plus half a goal, plus 125, um, or maybe plus one. But yeah, I think actually Nottingham Forest is going to start to provide a lot of value here in the market, which is how crazy the regression is going to be steering towards them. I think I had the under in every one of those matches where they scored yeah. all those goals from outside <laughs> the box. Yep. No, actually, I had the under in the Bournemouth, the Fulham match, and the Leicester match, and they conceded all the goals from yep. all the places. Yep. So that was fun. Anything for you here, Anthony? Or yeah, I lean toward Forest as well. I think it's Forest is still a buy low right now. The underlying performances have been that they've played these very good, you know, very mediocre teams about even in the last four matches. Each of them. I don't think it's going to be enough. I think, I think they're still probably going to end up getting relegated, but there will be good by low spots. Uh, you look at the upcoming schedule. It's kind of a must win. They have Brighton, Liverpool, Arsenal, Brentford's uh, palace, United, Chelsea. Uh, those are their next seven. It's going to be very hard to get points from those. So like, I still think they're going down because they were so bad at the beginning of the season, but yeah, I lean toward Forrest as well. That brings us to the 12.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday, a podcast derby between Spurs. They're my third, third week in a row for yeah. a podcast derby. It's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, Spurs are minus 200 against Everton, plus 550. The draw is plus 350 at Bet365. Uh, I think this is, you know, Everton or nothing because of the, the price. Uh, stylistically, we talk about how Spurs, you know, they, they'd prefer the other team to kind of have the impetus to move the ball around and put the ball on the deck. Everton do it a little bit, but let's recall what happened. What is it now? Eight months ago, seven months ago, when Spurs hosted Everton on a Monday night during the, um, <laughs> you guys were trying to tell me Everton were going down every week. And I was saying, no, just trust Lampard, trust the process. They'll stay up. <laughs> I was, of course I was right. It looked bleak after they played Spurs. And that was because Lampard was naive and, and wanted Everton to put the ball on the deck, knock it around and, football their way through Spurs who just happily waited for them to make a mistake and, and countered on them. Yeah. They pressed Tottenham and leave a ton of space on the wings. No, yeah. It was brilliant strategy against Spurs. You know what? Maybe he was playing the long game thinking they'll think I'll do it again this time, but I just do not see that coming. I think Everton's going to set up a, set up a big blue bus here. Uh, and that could give Spurs problems, especially as a minus you know 200 favorite, just not the type of number you want to lay in this stylistic matchup. So pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. 
they found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's severed in or nothing. Uh, Anthony. Spurs had a pretty mediocre showing at Brighton. You know, good win in the aggregate, but... Created 0.7 expected goals. Couldn't get anything going in transition. Got penned in their own half for large portions of the match. They went, hosted Frankfurt. Uh, Frankfurt took the first five shots of the match. Scored. Spurs uh, did get through on a breakaway. Then got two penalties. Got a red card. Even playing up a man in the second half. Struggled to control the game and create chances. It was a very poor showing. But uh, Dayan Kulisevsky is back, it looks like, for this match. That is a massive boost for a Tottenham team that has struggled to break down teams who are willing to sit deep and make them take people on and swing crosses in and beat their man. And really, I think it's been the biggest problem for this team. Uh, Kulisevsky instead of Emerson Royale, having the ball in those areas, major difference. Uh, So I think Spurs should be improved. I'll be interested to watch it. I will not be interested in betting it. Everton are like the one team in the league who haven't been on a run of overs, mainly because their goalkeeping has been good for Unlike the rest of the league, and they've they've sat deep and absorbed pressure and haven't created much. Anthony Gordon suspended, not great for the attack. Uh, don't see them doing a ton to uh, to Spurs here in attack at all. Uh, I think they could maybe find some success in the counter, but Spurs are excellent at defending their own penalty area. Everton have had problems turning final third possession into shots, so I think that there's you know there's a, there's a case for the under, but again, I'm going to be sitting away. All right, let's flip to Sunday. BJ, this one is all you. Villa are plus 350 at home hosting Chelsea. Odds on minus 125. The draw here is plus 270 at bet 365. Before I pass it over to you, just a reminder that this Aston Villa team created 0.66 or not 0.66 expected goals if you're listening to us overseas. Against Nottingham Forest. And yet, here you are. Yeah, give me the syndicate here. I mean... Yeah, Villa's been bad offensively. Like, last six matches, they've created 3.8 expected goals. And the only match they created over one expected goal was uh, against Leeds, who got a red card. So, it's it's bad. But this is still a very, very good defense. In five of the nine matches this season, they've allowed under half of an expected goal. And they've only allowed seven big scoring chances on the season. 
And Chelsea, I mean, look, they, this is a sell high spot for them. They look unbeatable under Graham Potter. He's the best manager in the world. Well, this is a weird kind of spot for them because we have midweek fixtures coming up. They got a trip to Brentford. Then next weekend, they go to Manchester United and then a very important match in Austria against Salzburg. So if you're looking for a spot where Chelsea might rotate a few guys, I think this would probably be one of those matches. You know, Reese James picked up an injury against AC Milan. He's questionable playing this match. I think that Chelsea will probably be a little more cautious with him. He might not play. That'll help Aston Villa a little bit. And the biggest thing here is that, you know, Steven Gerrard faced Graham Potter's Brighton twice in the Premier League. I know Graham Potter has a much better team, you know, than his Brighton team, but it was a pretty difficult matchup for, you know, the Seagulls because they created under 0.8 expected goals in both meetings. They were unable to create a big scoring chance. And what, what Potter's system is not entirely relying on, but somewhat relying on is getting ball to the wing backs, getting the ball progressed up the field and swinging crosses. Well, Aston Villa is second in the premier league in preventing crosses into their own box. They're top five in preventing progressive passes and dribbles. They don't really press that much. I think Villa is going to sit in play very defensive. So, and I actually have some value on them. I only have Chelsea projected at plus 124. So I'm on the syndicate plus half a goal at plus 110. And I'm really looking forward to a nice zero, zero draw on Sunday morning. If Chelsea scores, it's like game's over. Yeah, pretty that's, much. That's yeah. something that scares <laughs> me here. It's, 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 okay, so I'm steering between that or both teams to score no is at plus 105. I'm trying to decide either Villa, Villa, Villa at home. Like, but this the thing is, is Chelsea, you know, Chelsea with James and Fauna out, it's, it's yeah. I don't know. More, either one, whatever you feel more comfortable with. All right, uh, let's move to another 9 a.m. kickoff on Sunday. That's Man United minus 110. <laughs> Hosting Newcastle plus 280 at bet 365. The draw here is plus 275. Similar to that Crystal Palace number. This one, I mean, just leapt off the page. If you cover up the logos and you just look at the numbers, you're going to look at them and say, yeah, the team B, which we'll say is Newcastle, is probably the better team this season. And it, it comes down to the defense for Manchester United. They grade out as a bottom 10 unit. If you look at the stuff, we look at expected goals, big chances allowed, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas the Newcastle offense, they're third in non-penalty expected goals, fourth in creating shots, third in box entries and second in big chances created. This should be a pretty tall ask for the Manchester United defense to shut down Newcastle here. It's a great number, plus 280. I'm in a team that I rarely bet on. Newcastle, BJ. Yeah, how do you not bet Newcastle here? I mean, United, you mentioned their defensive. I'm going to read off their defensive numbers for everybody. 1.5 non-penalty expected goals allowed per 90. That's 16th in the Premier League. 15.25 shots per 90. That's 15th in the Premier League. 1.68 expected threat per 90. That's 17th in the Premier League. And a 46% field tilt, that is 13th in the Premier League. Those are really, really bad defensive numbers for a supposed big six club or a team that's supposed to be threatening for the top six. Like you already mentioned, Newcastle has outstanding offensive numbers. And yes, I understand they've played somewhat of an easy schedule. They've only played two big six clubs. Well, they scored three goals against Manchester city, created 1.8 expected goals in that match. Then they only created 0.8 expected goals against Liverpool, but Gimaris didn't play. Alan St. Maximum didn't play. Callum Wilson didn't play. And there was a red card towards the end of the second half there. Then you look at Newcastle defensively, who was much better since from the January transfer window on last season. Well, this season, they're only allowing one non-penalty expected goal per 90 minutes, and they're pressing very, very effectively. Like they have an 8.9 passes per defensive action. They've forced 96 high turnovers. That's the most in the Premier League, which is important in this match because United is not doing a great job of playing through pressure. Like they're 12th in offensive pass per defensive action. And even in the match against Manchester City, 
Newcastle forced 10 high turnovers. So against the best team that's against the best team in the Premier League at playing through pressure. So I think they're going to give United a lot of problems. And if you just think about it this way, again, like you said, Michael, you cover up the logos. From the January transfer window on last season, Newcastle was an even expected goal differential team. United throughout all of last season, whether you say they had some good times under Olgundi Solskjaer, maybe a little bit of resurgence in Ragnick, and then uh, you know they were basically deadbeats towards the end of the season. They were an even <laughs> expected. They were an even expected goal differential. You look at it this season. United is ahead of Newcastle on the table. They're minus 1.2 expected goal differential. Newcastle is at plus 7.7. How can you make Manchester United a minus 105 favorite at home? I am on Newcastle plus half a goal at minus 115. Yeah, wow, so it really looks like changed it, our course on Newcastle here, haven't we? We've decided that they're well, it just, incredible. It depends, well, it's just uh, opponent yeah. dependent, Anthony. It's, it's Man United dependent for BJ. Yeah, it always is. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, anything here for you, uh, Newcastle United? Edward I mean, Trafford, the theater it, it's hard. It's hard to think about these two midfields and imagine putting a wager down on Manchester United. I mean, Joe Linton and Bruno Guimaraes are the two best midfielders on the pitch, right? In terms of yep. ball winning and ball progression, uh, you know, Bruno's, well, McTominay's out. If, if he was on the field, then yeah, you know, even it. even with <laughs> Casemiro out there, I will take yep. happily take Guimaraes and Joe Linton. I mean. I can make a strong case for the over here, right? United will create plenty in transition. Newcastle should dominate large portions of this match, I think. Uh, and United's attacking talent has shown its quality, I think, in the last few weeks where they are starting to play a little bit better in attack to creating more chances. Uh, I know there's some injuries now, but just looking at Anthony and 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 a fit and inform Marcus Rashford alone makes this United attack very dangerous. Uh, I can make a strong case for the over, and I can make a case for Newcastle too, just based on the midfield quality. I think there's a huge gap in that, and I think that's the biggest thing that's propelled Newcastle to their excellent underlying numbers. The other thing, I don't think their attack will continue to run this well. I mean, they get they're getting a lot of production to like Miguel Almiron. Uh, color me skeptical on that one, but you and Jack Grealish, but maybe he's just inspired by what Grealish said about him <laughs> over the summer. Very possible. Uh, but yes, uh, I would lean toward Newcastle on the over here. I will probably end up betting Newcastle because I don't That's like right. United either. I think right. uh, there's a, there's a good chance this finally seeing the light on you. Um, finally seeing the light on Newcastle. I'm not cashing any tickets. I feel you. like I'm, I feel like I'm fading this team. I'm not cashing any tickets. So <laughs> except in the Europa League where, where they've underperformed. It's not about match. cashing the tickets, Anthony. No. It's just about betting against It's about them. sending the message, right? Yeah, yeah. It's about sending a but, message. But, uh, I mean, they've played better in the league. Europa League's been ugly. And that leaves me to pause. And they have a Europa League game on Thursday. That's another good point, Anthony. Yes. Just chock full of good points today. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk Leeds and Arsenal. It's at Elland Road. Leeds United 5-1 to one at Bet365 right now. Arsenal minus 182. The draw is plus 320. This is pretty simple. You look at this number, you know Arsenal are just way over overvalued. What, minus 182 on the road against a really tricky side. The matchup, though, you could see it being just an absolute nightmare for Leeds with their kind of high-risk, high-reward style against this Arsenal team that can kind of play them off the pitch. They could. Anthony, you, you, you're on record saying Jesse Marsh might be the best manager in the world, yep. and you like Leeds here. I do. You know, I think we talk buy low and, and sell high when the underlying performances maybe are telling a different story, and I think this is a good example. Leeds have not gotten a result, a win, rather, in their last five league matches. But you look at their expected goals for and against, they are an even an average team in the Premier League. I project Arsenal as a 0.7 goal favorite in this match. They're now laying a full goal 
Arsenal off a huge home win. They have to travel to play Bodo Glimt on Thursday. Then they're going to travel on Sunday on the road. Arsenal plus 1.7 expected goal difference per 90 at home this year on the road, just plus 0.4 per match. Even if you just took the pure expected goal difference of these two teams, Arsenal has been a full goal better per match than Leeds this year. Okay. Arsenal is laying a goal on the road. Now Leeds are an average Premier League team. Arsenal is good. They're very much improved. They, you, they're probably the second best team. I've got them power rated a smidge below Liverpool. And I'm very close to just flipping that at this point. I mean, we're, we're probably like one, two games away from that happening. And yet they are still too big of a favorite here on the road. I like Leeds. BJ, I don't want to let you talk about this game because of what you did last week, mm-hmm. what you did in Penn. Every Arsenal. week he hates, he hates Arsenal. He, but I'll get, I'm gonna, I love Arsenal. He's refusing to admit a, how good they I'm are. I'm going to give you a hard 30 seconds. Just wait till we downgrade Spurs. It's going to be a great day. Yeah, no, I, I've actually upgraded Arsenal a little bit. Performance against Liverpool really kind of signified it for me that like, hey, yeah, this this season's a little different than, than seasons past. Now, this is, a, like Anthony mentioned, this is the classic Arsenal spot where coming off a big win, they just take all of our hopes and they just curb stomp them and Leeds wins 3 nothing, just like they did against Chelsea earlier this season. But again, Arsenal's doing a much better job of playing through pressure. Like they're doing a good job getting in behind teams. They'll probably rest a lot of guys against Boda Glimt and they pretty much have that Europa League group wrapped up. So yeah, I Arsenal is overvalued, but uh, there's, I mean, I only have them at minus 143, but I can't get to the plus one on leads. So, and not a fan of Jesse Marsh. So Arteta versus Jesse Marsh, not a great managerial matchup for leads. So I'll be passing. Uh, so manager of- BJ wanted fired last year. <laughs> should be, should be noted. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, sorry that, I'm hard on my managers, you know, I want them to perform. And And you know what? Arteta, I put the pressure on Arteta and he performed. So credit me. Fair enough. Easiest pass on the board for me on a board. I liked a lot of these games, uh, as you can tell, but Southampton and West Ham saints plus one (laughs) ninety at home at at three, six, five West Ham plus one forty. the draws plus two forty. It's almost like the premier league should just say, you guys pick a score. We'll agree to it. We don't need to play this one. Anthony real quick. Anything here. I'll make the case West Ham's improving. Defense. I'll make the, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll David make, Moyes I'll is make a the case. Like the defense is maintained, but the uh, addition of Lucas Paqueta has made it. Uh, by the way, Paqueta Rice in the midfield, hilarious. But I'll make the case that he's really improving this team's attack. There, they they felt like they were an attacker short. Skamaka is kind of getting more minutes now, and he's he's showing to be an average Premier League striker, which is really what I think he is. But you know, West Ham's an average team, and. Paqueta has adding progressive passing. You look at his numbers, very impressive underlying progressive passing numbers. Got four shots against Fulham. Now has seven shots in three matches. Adding a little bit from that midfield might be just what they needed. And now you kind of complete the midfield three. I like where West Ham is trending now a little bit. I think they're a decent buy low here against Southampton, who concedes a ton of big scoring chances, who has had major problems on set pieces. That's an area where West Ham has excelled in the past two years. I, I like West Ham. Uh, yeah, and and John Lucas Kamaka f- feels like he's getting better. Someone pointed out uh, something to me. I shouldn't say something to me. I heard it on another podcast, another soccer podcast, uh, that no World Cup winner from Italy has ever played in the Premier League. Hmm. Pretty interesting. interesting. I don't know if it's true, but that's what they said. Uh, um, all right, let's move to uh, the Bundesliga now as we'll jaunt through Europe. That will not change this year because there will not be uh, any Italian (laughs) World Cup winners. And if I'm wrong, leave us a five-star review and with the name of the player that did in the 
uh, reviews on on Apple Podcasts, and our and our producers will find you and and give you a, some Action Network swag. Uh, now on to the Bundesliga, but before we get there, let's remind you that. While Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand, sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, you get 200 free. On to Germany now. On to Anthony. What do you have for your favorite bet in the Bundesliga? You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah. Uh, Dortmund and Union Berlin under two and a half. Two teams whose unders I've been betting pretty much all year. I'm going to bet them when they play against one another at two and a half. Uh, there's not a ton to say. I mean, we've already talked about Geraldo Becker and Jordan Pifak on this podcast, two of the biggest overperformers over in all of Europe. I do worry about Dortmund's defense traveling a little bit. They haven't been great on the road, but Union Berlin's attack so bad that I'm, I'm going to swallow this one and take the under. I'm going back uh, to our old friends' minds. They're plus 187 on the road against Werder Bremen. Uh, we're expecting this Mainz team to trend up. I mean, a team we all liked as a bet to finish inside the top four. So this kind of rocky patch of form is it going to deter me. Plus the Bremen defensive numbers aren't that good uh, towards the bottom of the Bundesliga in a few of them. So it's it's Mainz for me. BJ, what do you have? I'm taking Cologne minus 137 at home against Augsburg. These two clubs are sitting right next to each other in the table, but boy, is Cologne just miles better than Augsburg. It's been a it's been a weird season for Cologne. They've had a lot of red cards in their matches. Only four of their nine matches has there been at not a red card on either side. Um, but the, in those four matches, they do have a plus 1.9 expected goal differential. They are third in the Bundesliga in big scoring chances. They're second in expected threat. And they are second in offensive passes per defensive action, which is key because pressing is about the only thing that Augsburg does well defensively. I mean, man, this Augsburg team is doing it again. Like they have a minus 8.8 expected goal differential in nine matches, but they are sitting in 10th place. They're dead last offensively in box entries, crosses, expected threat, field tilt. And most importantly, they're dead last at playing through pressure. And Cologne is second in passes per defensive action. Then you know, you look at their defense, they've allowed 16.6 expected goals in nine matches and have allowed a whopping 22 big scoring chances. So I have Cologne projected at minus 180. I think minus 137 at home is an awfully cheap price for this type of match. So uh, I'm on Cologne. I'm really looking forward to watching Augsburg do what they do best and win one nothing. All right, uh, let's set up uh, El Clasico. 10.15 a.m. on Sunday, Real Madrid at home. They're plus 125 at Bet365. Barcelona plus 210. The draw here is plus 260. Pretty sure I know where this conversation's going. We always talk about how Real Madrid is a, a bit of a, you know, a tough nut to crack because they're always overperforming compared to their underlying metrics. Well, they're running into Barcelona, who are superb. Uh, they had one wonky result a couple weeks ago, but everything under the hood looks great for Xavi's boys. So two plus 210, I think Barcelona is worth a bet here, Anthony. 
I wouldn't say everything looks great under the hood. They've got a bunch of defensive injuries. They looked pretty bad defensively today against Inter in the Champions League. This is something we talked about on the last pod, the Champions League preview pod. We talked about how Barcelona's defense has been overperforming and was due to concede a ton of goals, and they let three in, and they could have let four or five in, if we're being honest. Inter was some shocking decision-making in the final third. But that was a thriller. But I think Real Madrid... You kind of have the overrated Real Madrid attack against the overrated Barca defense. I don't know how I want to get at this from a betting point of view. I thought we'd get plus a half on Barca. I'd bet them if we did. We didn't. I may wait a little bit here on the market and see where it ends up. I also might play just a BTTS at over two and a half and be square and just take the over because I do think there's going to be a back and, a lot of back and forth in this game between two pretty overrated defenses, especially with the Barca injuries and Real just never defending anything. If you watch the second half against Vigo, that Barca played last weekend, they conceded over one and a half expected goals. They easily could have been conceding more. And now they're playing in a Real team, which, you know, they're overrated, but they're still very good. So it's a danger zone here. BJ, any thoughts here on El Clasico before we take a roll around the rest of Spain? Yeah, I do show a little bit of value on Barcelona north of two to one. Um, Like Anthony mentioned, it's interesting because you look through Barcelona's schedule, like they have the, they're, their biggest tests have come, you know, two matches against Inter and then in Bayern, against Bayern Munich. Um, you know, the match against Bayern Munich, I can't remember who said it on Twitter, but essentially, you know, Bayern essentially took a stand, standing standing eight count and then delivered a seventh round knockout. So the, the, the thing with Barcelona is that, yes, they lost to Bayern Munich. Yes, they lost to Inter. And then, you know, they obviously had some defensive problems today, but that last match against Inter, you know, Inter only created, what, 0.2 expected goals. Like they didn't really do much in the entire match. Now I worry here for Barcelona, like Anthony mentioned with the defensive injuries and the Barcelona wingbacks can get exploited pretty badly here by Vinicius junior, you know, Kareem Benzema is also back for Real Madrid. They had a sleepy match against Shakhtar in the midweek, but um, yeah, from a price point perspective, you know, since Xavi took over, Barcelona has been considerably better on XG than Real Madrid and La Liga. And, you know, Real Madrid has been good in La Liga defensively, but let's be honest, they have not played a difficult schedule whatsoever. And even through the champions, like they haven't played a difficult schedule. Like they haven't played a team to the level of Barcelona yet. So it's now you have to ask, ask that question is Real Madrid ready for this type of test? I'm not so sure. So I do actually like Barcelona uh, at plus 210 on the money line. Uh, Anthony, what else in La Liga for you? Yeah, I stared at this one for a while and I looked at it and I was like, really, am I going to like, what, what am I missing with this Bilbao game? Uh, but I'm taking Bilbao. I'm not missing anything. Okay. Atleti uh, had, a, had a good performance today at home against Bruce. Great performance. Did not get the result because Simone Mignolet apparently, and this was unbeknownst to me, is the best goalie in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has saved more goals than anybody in the Champions League thus far. Bruges has not conceded yet. I mean, it's eight, it's eight expected goals allowed, zero conceded. It's pretty remarkable stuff. Yep. But let's be honest: uh, the best team in this match thus far in La Liga is the the team called Bilbao, and they're at home and they're a pick'em. And this is something that's been a long time coming for Bilbao. They put together an excellent underlying campaign last season then the results had not shown. Now they're finally showing. I'll take them draw no bet uh, in this matchup. It could very well end in a draw. That's why I want the protection there. But minus 120 at home, better team. I'll take it. Uh, yeah, we we love uh, Athletic Club. Dave Bow on this podcast. I, I'm, I'm probably with you on that one. It hurts to go against Atleti. And Atleti will be fine in the Champions League. Yeah, I they'll get through. We're fine. They'll be fine. I think they are fine. They yeah, got lucky today fine. that Leverkusen... 
Right. Botched, but yeah. BJ, what else for you in La Liga? Yeah, I'm going to take Real Sociedad, draw no bets at uh, even money against Celta Vigo. This Real Sociedad team put in a incredibly impressive performance against Villarreal last weekend, won the match, won nothing, held Villarreal to just 0.4 XG. And in fact, Villarreal only had one shot up until the 73rd minute. And the reason they've, they were so dominant in that match and why they've had a good resurgence here in La Liga is because they've turned into one of the best pressing teams in the entire league. They're third in passes per defensive action. They forced the fifth most high turnovers and they're third in preventing progressive passes and dribbles. That's extremely important in this matchup because Celta Vigo is dead last in La Liga at playing through pressure. Plus they're not a good offensive team. Like they're averaging 0.85 non-penalty goals per match. They have six big scoring chances created. Their entire offense is just built around just swinging cross into the box. Like they're second in La Liga at, you know, completing those crosses in the box. Well, Real Sociedad is fifth at preventing crosses. And Sociedad, I mentioned it last week, but their offense in six matches since Ishak left the club, they've created 9.5 expected goals and have 14 big scoring chances in those matches. And, you know, Celta Vigo does lead La Liga in pressures per 90, but they're not effective pressing at all. Like they're 18th in passes per defensive action and Sociedad is third at playing through pressure. So I really don't think Celta Vigo should be a favorite here at home. So give me Sociedad, draw no bad at even money. All right, let's go right back to you for uh, Syria. Ah. Yeah. How about Jose Mourinho minus 150 on the road against Sampdoria who's sitting in dead last. Uh, yeah. The Sampdoria team is really, really bad. Like they're, they're very bad defensively. They're 18th in non-penalty expected goals. They're 15th in big scoring chances allowed. Roma has underperformed considerably this season. They only have a plus three uh, actual goal differential, but a plus 11 expected goal differential um, in their last match against Lecce. Went up one nothing. Lecce got a red card. Somehow Lecce scored, and then Roma ended up creating three and a half expected goals and only won the match to one. But yeah, this is, uh, I think the price is just way, way too low here for a Roma side who I actually think is probably the close to maybe the best team in Serie A right now. Obviously, I think Napoli sitting at the top table is the best, but you know, if you're looking for a good buy low to win Serie A, Roma is, is right up there. Josie Marina has this team cooking right now. Yeah, he does. It's been fun to watch. Miss Jose. Anthony. Dejan Stankovic, the new manager at Sampdoria, former manager of Red Star Belgrade, BJ's favorite team ah. in a Europa League contest. They just uh, hired him. Re- after... I have to rethink my bet. Oh, man. Yeah, the new manager bounce inbound for Sampdoria. <laughs> They're really bad. They're so horrendous. Pretty much the only decent result they've gotten this year came in stoppage time against Lazio. So that being said, I like Torino in the Turin Derby. Uh Juventus, somebody like poked them with a stick or something like they got absolutely pounded by Maccabi Haifa in the Champions League on Tuesday after a pretty lackluster showing at home against Maccabi Haifa the week before. And they are now basically out of the Champions League and now they have to go on the road and they're a road favorite against Torino, despite having worse underlying numbers, Torino extremely unlucky in their last game at home, should have won that match, dominated it, didn't get the result. That's kind of a Torino special. I'm less worried about that, you know, when I'm catching a quarter of a goal, which I am in this case. Uh, And so I think, I mean, I make Torino a favorite. I like them at home here. All right, now on to France, where BJ will not be betting against Claremont Foot. No, Monaco's a little too steep uh, this weekend, but uh, Claremont Foot's playing uh, Stade de Brest next week. That match is going to suck. I like uh, Ren Leon 
over three goals at plus 110. You have uh, two of the best five, or, but two of the best three offenses here in League on Leon just fired Peter Boss, uh, new manager bounce for them. But the Ren offense, you know, outside of PSG, they've created the most non penalty expected goals. They're taking the most shots per 90, and they're the best team at playing through pressure, which is very key because Leon is second in passes per defensive action. You know, Leon is top five in pretty much every single offensive category. Uh, they play very open. I, I expect a lot of goals in this match. I have around 3.3 expected. So over three goals, getting plus money at that. I think there's some decent value on it. All right. Now on to our favorite part of the program, our three-leg money line parlay. This one's going to hit, and I'll tell you why when it's my turn. But Anthony, let's start with you. I think we had two legs last week with second half leads that lost. Mine's really let me down there late. I'm going to take Torino plus 215 at home. I just talked about this game, so I'm happy to talk about it again. Torino is... By my numbers, the better team, they're at home. I'm getting over plus 200 on them. I don't think they should be an underdog at all. I'll bet them. Very simple. Simple as, and I mean, let's talk about Newcastle and United. Newcastle's plus 280. Uh, if you look at the records, the goal differential, the underlying data, they're all going to tell you the same thing. Newcastle is just as good or better uh, than Manchester United. We're also playing a midweek match. Easy bet, plus 280 on uh, Newcastle, and they're the biggest underdog of this parlay. That's why I think it's going to hit. BJ, what do you have? Mallorca, uh, plus 200 on the island against Sevilla, another Sevilla fade. I really don't think Mallorca should be an underdog here. You know, Sevilla obviously has a new manager bounce with Sam Poli. They looked a lot better against Dortmund, but this is still the team in La Liga that's conceded the most big scoring chances. They're 19th in non-penalty expected goals allowed. And Mallorca, while they're not that great of an offense, They've been top five in non-penalty expectables allowed. They're fifth in big scoring chances allowed. And most importantly, last season, they were one of the most unlucky teams in all of Spain. They had a minus 27 actual goal differential and only a minus eight expected goal differential. Plus, on the island, they had a plus four uh, expected goal differential at home. So they play much better at home than they do on the road. It's obviously Sevilla coming off of a Champions League match in the midweek. They might have to rotate some guys. So this is a great spot here for Mallorca, who I actually project as a favorite. So give me Mallorca two to one on the island. I, if you uh, roll all three of those teams in a parlay, that's Mallorca, Torino, and Newcastle, 36 to one. All right, uh, let's move on to our favorite bets for the Premier League for this upcoming match week. A reminder that we will be back on Monday for the midweek fixtures. Um, I'll start. Crystal Palace, they're plus 210. They're hosting Leicester. This one is really simple. Uh, all three of us agree. We agreed before the season, and we still agree Crystal Palace is a better team than Leicester, and nothing's changed that tone. Palace's numbers are, they look bleak, but that's because they've already played Arsenal, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, and Newcastle. So you can argue that their minus 3.3 expected goal differential is actually impressive. Then you flip to the other side, you look at Leicester City's numbers. They're crumbling, terrible defensive side, terrible goalkeeper. They only have one way of scoring goals, and that's through James Madison, and he only does it when the darts are in town in Leicester. They're not this week. So Crystal Palace plus 210 is an easy one. Uh, that's my favorite bet for the week in the Premier League. Anthony, what about you? Leeds plus one at home against Arsenal. It's a good buy low spot on the Peacocks who have not won any of their last five matches, despite having pretty average underlying numbers. They're an average team in the Premier League. Arsenal have been excellent. Huge win against Liverpool on Sunday. They're playing in Norway on Thursday against Bodo Glimt. Tough spot now going on the road for Arsenal with uh, another European match sitting in the following midweek. They have not been nearly as good 
on the road as they've been at home. They're plus 1.7 expected goal difference per 90 at home, only plus 0.4 on the road. So they've been a worse team on the road. They're laying a full goal. I make this closer to about three quarters, 0.7 goals. So I'm going to take leads at home and trust them. It's a tough matchup necessarily. Don't love the matchup, but do love the number and the spot for leads. All right, BJ, take us home. Newcastle plus half a goal at minus 115 on the road at Old Trafford. This Manchester United defense sucks. They are in the bottom five in non-penalty expected goals allowed and shots allowed and expected threat allowed and field tilt. So you have a Newcastle offense coming in that not only has been the best offense outside of the big six, but honestly one of the best offenses in the Premier League. Third in expected goals. They're averaging over 15 shots per 90, over 19 box entries. And on the reverse side of that, Their defense has actually been very solid. They're only allowing one non-penalty expected goal per match. They've been pressing very effectively at an 8.9 pass per defense faction and have forced the most high turnovers in the Premier League. In fact, they forced 10 high turnovers against Manchester City, who's the best team at playing through pressure. Well, United is 12th in offensive pass per defensive action. So I think Newcastle has a great, great spot here on the road with United coming off of a Thursday Europa League match. Probably going to have to rotate, rotate some guys in that match. So Newcastle plus half a goal at minus 115. I think United is very overvalued here. I have this match projected right at a pick'em. All right, uh, that wraps up this episode of Wonder Goal for BJ Cunningham. For Anthony the Bundle, I'm Michael Leibov reminding you. We'll see you again on Monday. And best of luck with all your bets this weekend.